set of hands. R RJ, is, is this what you've been talking about, the eels, all week for? You brought up the eels, and now you brought them up again. I'm starting to believe you have an eel problem and not me. There's no fucking eels. There's no, this has nothing to do with eels. We got Scott in here, guys. He's hey, going to be our new temp. What do you mean, the new temp? I'm making you hire a third person. You ask too much of us. Yeah. Okay. Do I look like more of a detective now? You absolutely do. You're crushing it right now. <laughs> See, right. his ad on Backpage said he had DSLs also, which I'm assuming means detective and solving legitimacies. So it was actually <laughs> dope sunglasses. But dope sunglasses. Oh, okay, make, cool. Didn't know how to make an acronym. It kind of works. It's sort of like a stock market acronym. Sunglasses. Don't yeah. dope sun lenses. <laughs> sun lenses. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. When you put those glasses on, I felt like I'm emasculated kind of. I've been doing this for a couple of years now. This guy comes in, puts on the sunglasses, and I'm like, what do we do next, Scott? Well, I can't grow yeah. a beard. So he's, he's gonna accidentally be in charge of the podcast. I've taken over. <laughs> too much alpha male energy. <laughs> All right. So I got an email from the email address is bright is not a bad movie at gmail.com. I don't know if you guys have ever seen bright. Bright it's, is a uh, terrible movie. I haven't seen well, it, but it sounds like spam. Yeah. Well, the writer of this email does not think so because it is director Max Landis. And uh, he asked me, Hey, guys, can you prove my dad is innocent of any wrongdoing in the deaths that happened while he was making the 1983 film, The Twilight Zone, the movie? Oh. And I said yes. I figure that's Hollywood money, maybe. We got to take it, right? An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. You know what? Max Landis gets bonus points in my book because what was that movie? Oracle? Is that the movie he did? Chronicle. Chronicle. Yes, the only good movie he was involved in. That's what I'm saying. I like that movie a lot. So he's allowed to make one request of us. I got one good movie out of him. Okay. Well, he's got he's got my daddy's rich money, so I figure it'll be worth seeing through have you guys ever seen the twilight zone movie i have not is chronicle no. the movie where the aliens come through the back america's asshole chronicle is the one where it's a bunch of kids find like i don't know some dumb what is it like a stone or something artifact and they yeah, all, yeah they all get superpowers and it's like a found footage movie and dane DeHaan is is really good in it he's like the, the bad guy it's it's a decent movie especially for a found footage movie but Max Landis also only wrote that. I think the only movie he's directed is Bright, which mm. if we don't know what Bright is, that's a movie with Will Smith and it's where fantasy creatures are real and the orcs are supposed to be black people and racism exists in this world also. So mm. It's a thing that happened, so it must be racist. That happened. Full disclosure, Mr. Landis was my seventh grade science teacher, so... I'm going to feel bad when I eventually solve this one because I feel like I already have a leg up on you guys. Oh, no. It's okay. really well, weird that Max Landis was your science teacher. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mr. Landis. First name unconfirmed. I'm just assuming it's the same person. Gotcha. gotcha. 
Well, Max Landis's father that he's talking about is John Landis. Are we familiar with the works of John Landis? I know he has a famous dad. Is he an actor, that guy, John Landis? John Landis is a director responsible for Animal House, Blues mm. Brothers, yes. Trading Places, and his best one, easily, is American Werewolf in London. So he's a very decorated filmography throughout the late 70s, early 80s. I feel like most of those movies that you just mentioned, if you go back and look at them, they're problematic. Like Animal House ain't good. <laughs> it's very bad. It's not... I mean, sure. Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> if you can make that argument about fucking anything that's nearly 50 years old, though. Like... <laughs> that's true. I'm just saying, I watched Animal yeah, House. You're closer to 50 than not. You're problematic. See? I am problematic. Very much so. I know that. Yeah. Established. Okay. Fair. So um, you are a John Landis fan, then, Richard? I'm anything that's going to be problematics fan. Well, if you don't feel one way or the other about John Landis, maybe reserve judgment until we're <laughs> all the way through this. <laughs> so what I'm describing is, I mean, and honestly, like if you haven't seen the Twilight Zone movie, it's not a terrible watch. It's an anthology movie. Came out in 1983 and it had like a bunch of different directors. So John Landis and Steven Spielberg, who were very close friends, they actually co-produced movie together and then each directed their own segments but there's four total so george miller also directed a segment and he made the remake of the there's something on the wing and then yes yeah that's the gremlin one and then joe dante who directed gremlins was the other guy (laughs) who directed a segment in there i saw the simpsons episode so i think i'm good yeah no i mean that's yeah all context in there you're good also john lithgow part of this movie I'm yep, okay John Lithgow that. played the William Shatner in the remake of the of the plain one. Ah, yep. All right. Yep, and that cool. one's actually pretty good. George Miller is also just an amazing. He's he's the guy who made Mad Max and everything. He's fucking incredible. So that's basically the context for that movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend watch it at some point, especially after you learn about the absolutely insane thing that happened while they were making it. John Landis's segment was the first one in the movie, and he wanted to like make a statement with his. It's not based on any real Twilight Zone episode. It's like a mishmash of like several plus mostly just his own bullshit. And it stars a guy named Vic Morrow, who at the time was this like not he wasn't doing so well because he was like a really popular TV actor in the 60s, and then he kind of fell out. But people in the 80s still knew who he was, so. Here's this big shot at being in another big Hollywood movie with all this money behind it. So it was kind of a big deal. It was like his revival. Um, all this time. Yeah, exactly. They were trying to, you know, dust him off and, and see if he had like one more in him kind of thing. And yeah. he, I mean, he obviously wanted it. He was, he was fairly excited about it. And he, his goal was to star as Bill Connor in John Landis's segment. And the whole idea behind this one is this guy is super uh, angry middle-aged white guy who got passed over for a promotion at work and it ended up going to some jewish guy and the the thing literally starts with him in a bar just spewing out a series of slurs and just making all these like super racist jokes like what they them (laughs) what did you say nathan is that racist to you (laughs) i said i said say them Oh yeah, I want to hear what you, yeah, what are okay. they exactly? What was so, just so we can uh, this. in in yeah. yeah in order it's and that's all of them. Coward. I think I no, I covered them all. You just cut it out. You're the coward. <laughs> okay. See, look, it's I'll say them again. That. 
You're smarter than that. You're smarter than me. Boom. Set him faster that time. I, uh, so Kanye is really pulling for a remake on this one. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's honestly so stupid, but like he immediately like walks out of the bar and then he looks around and he's in 1945 Germany and there's like anti, like, you know, Jewish propaganda all over and like Nazi symbols and everything. And these Nazis come and corral him and put him on a train car. So he, he ends up transporting through time. This happens two other times. And he's like the most persecuted group in each time period. So the next one, he goes back to 1950s Alabama. And of course, he's a black guy. And then and they blackface him up by... for it. No, they, they don't. They okay, don't. Good. You would you would think they would do something stupid like that. But they actually didn't go that far. Okay. But they have like Klansmen and hoods and everything. And then the final segment he goes to Vietnam and he's being persecuted by American soldiers. And you know who they killed? That's right, Vietnamese babies. So he's a Vietnamese baby. He's not really <laughs> yeah. good. Oh. That would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just, he's just a Vietnamese soldier. The 1983 That's... special effects would have been great for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just, if, you, if you don't know what Vic Morrow looks like, you can look him up because his head on a baby's body is one of the funniest <laughs> images I can think of right now. Because he, he looks like a dude from the fucking 60s. Like, that's when his prime was. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point of this segment was to teach the not always obvious point that racism's bad. And hmm. at the end of it, Vic Morrow's character was supposed to save two young Vietnamese kids and, and carry them away from being pursued by a helicopter full of American soldiers who are just carpet bombing the shit out of them. And that was his, supposed to be like his redemption arc. Well, on July 23rd, 1982, while they were filming this, a Bell UH-1 Iroquois helicopter flies over the scene on cue as special effects explosions are just fucking detonated all over the place. Now, Vic Morrow has these kids under his arms and he's supposed to cross knee-deep water. And as he's doing it, the helicopter just fucking drops and it decapitates... Vic Morrow and six-year-old Renee Shinyi Chen and the right skid crushes and kills instantly Micah Dinley, seven years old. Oh, great. Did they get the shot, though? Oh, they got it. I was going to save this for later, but, you know, why listen to me talk about this horribly brutal thing when we can watch it on the YouTube.com for nothing? yes. Do they actually, like, put this in the movie, or is this just, like, clip from... So this does not make it into the movie. Cowards. Doesn't make it into this movie. (laughs) Yeah, right. If it would have happened before Apocalypse Now, maybe. (laughs) Did they just put the Apocalypse Now music behind Flight of the Valkyries? So this is what I was describing. Yeah, he's carrying the kids. Oh, my God, they're in trouble. He's going to Watch these fucking explosions and how close they are. Oh, that looks like it hit him. That explosion looked like it Oh, we get another angle, guys. Don't worry. Oh, good. That was the helicopter, right? That yep. was the end of it. Yeah. Yep. No, you'll get a you'll get a good angle. Oh. Jesus. Um. Well, we got a few more. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, how many times you guys want to watch children die <laughs> today. A couple more, more angles. It's a couple more. Yeah. Angles. I mean, <laughs> it's not enough. It, I, this is what 480 pixels. If you were giving it to yeah, yeah, 720, I, I might feel a little bad, but I can't really see anything here. These are just blobs. These, this is what in the 80s you said 1980 82 
I'm not saying I shouldn't feel bad about kids dying just because it happened so long ago. I just feel like this is the one. This is the buddy shot. Oh shit! Oh, you can see the whole fucking. Oh wow! Oh, yep. Nice. Say what though? The camera crews are always told keep recording no matter what, and they did. Yeah. Um, I do want you since we've been doing this with all the videos we've been watching. I think we should do this in times two speed to see if it adds some comedy to it. Because right now that was kind of sad. <laughs> Cue the Benny Hill. That <laughs> uh, wasn't funny at all. So let's see. Oh, it's a little bit faster now. Yeah, for sure. He looks like he's. Oh, out. he ran head on into that thing. Yeah. What the fuck? Nah, still horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Still horrifying. <laughs> yeah. So- oh, that's bad. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. You figure they would like burn that footage. You know what I mean? You figure they would just like because that's not someone on the camera crew definitely made their own copy. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I've I, always yeah. said though, if I die in a way like that, I want it, and it's like filmed. I want, I want my death to be it reenacted a YouTube and put into video. A movie. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> no, did that... you say that when you were six years old? Even well, <laughs> I, I wasn't as articulate back then. <laughs> oh my god, it's so oh, sad because now that you say that, I didn't even think of that. But there's like parents like. Go with the weird man. He's just going to carry you through the jungle for five yeah. minutes. And then dead parents are just like, what just happened? What just? Yeah. Or, yeah. It was the 80s. So maybe the parents were doing blow in the back with the producers and they forgot about their kids. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I mean. Yeah. Eesh. I can only hope. <laughs> it's pretty fucking nuts. So that changed a ton of shit in Hollywood. So like people made all kinds of different safety regulations and all this shit. Obviously, there's still issues today because, you know, you had shit like The Crow happen later and then more recently that Alec Baldwin thing where yeah. Alec Baldwin's now a murderer also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Is he, though? Anyways. I don't know. I, mean, I like saying... Are we going to talk like about saying, it? Because, like, next episode. I like saying severe <laughs> things like that that might not necessarily be true because I don't respect super rich people. So. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I just, it's just fun to say. I almost did the Natalie Wood thing instead of this. You know, Natalie Wood? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then my whole through line is just going to be that Christopher Walken's a murderer. There's yeah. no proof of that. <laughs> I just like saying it. It rolls off the tongue. Fair enough. As soon as you get to how much money, when do you start fucking being just absolute yeah. trash to these people? I killed what, you that a bitch on the boat. <laughs> and I drowned her good. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's fun. Well... How do we get here with what you guys just saw? So we said before, John Landis, hugely successful director, and that happened like really quick. Like Animal House was 1978, Blues Brothers was 1980, American Werewolf in London was right, was that 81, I think? Something like that. Anyways, it was American Werewolf in London that really sold him to Warner Brothers who were just so happened to want to reboot Twilight Zone. Which, like, Twilight Zone's been rebooted how many different times now? You know what I mean? Like, It's a uh, staple. It's a TV staple. Like, that could play on a Saturday night for the rest of everyone's lives, you know? It's, like, permanently seared in society's collective conscience. Like, (laughs) And mind you, it was a show that got canceled three times in its original run. And Rod Serling, the only reason it didn't keep coming back is because he was just like, I'm bored of it. Rod Serling, by the way, I, this has nothing to do with anything else. I just love Rod Serling. He was born and he's from Syracuse, where I am. And he spent like most of his adult life in upstate. He died in upstate too. That dude was the fucking coolest. And I, I just learned he was five foot four inches tall. 
So like the dude you see at the beginning of the Twilight Zone with that sick fucking voice is less than five and a half feet tall. <laughs> Short King. I had, a, I had a guy that did a, a lot of voiceovers for me when I was in film school, and he was solid 5'4". That's awesome. Maybe, was maybe it Rod Serling? Yeah. yeah, was it Rod no. Serling? <laughs> His name is John Boschman. He does a lot of, he's a Toronto actor. He does a lot, you'll see him in a lot of like campy commercials. Good guy. I worked hmm. with him at Sport Chick. Oh, well. <laughs> Shout out that guy. <laughs> Go, John. Anyways, back on track. Warner Brothers wanted to reboot Twilight Zone, uh, and they thought Landis could do it justice because American Werewolf in London kind of like, I mean, it's like the perfect horror comedy movie. If, yeah, it could if be. It could be an episode it. of Twilight Zone. It could be yeah. an episode of Twilight Zone. You know? It's fantastic. It it sold him on it completely. It also helped that he was very good friends with Steven Spielberg, who's kind of just like never not been a golden boy in Hollywood. So being that they were co-producing it together, they gave it the green light. They even got Burgess Meredith to come back as the narrator. He's a dude who is in that really famous episode of Twilight Zone where he says, there was time now. And he breaks his glasses. And he's supposed to be reading and shit. They parody it on Futurama. Yeah. 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 That's where most everybody knows it from. Also, he was Rocky's trainer. So that's that's the other famous thing he did. Yeah. So it was like a big, big production. It was probably the biggest thing Landis kind of had his hands on at that point. And honestly, like, it's an okay movie. Like, I have rose-colored goggles because I was five when I saw it. So I get real hyped about the John Lithgow segment just because he's amazing. Especially because he's, if you've never, like, I know you haven't seen it, but, like, he's overacting to the fucking nines and tens. It's crazy. Like, (laughs) it's John Lithgow just terrified of this dumb-looking, terribly animated fucking gremlin on a wing of a plane. Plus, he's got to, like, emulate Shatner, right? So he's like, I got to be better than Shatner. No, fuck that. This is John Lithgow. He just makes it his own, pal. He's scarier than the dumb monster they made. His face, (laughs) where he's just like... It's utterly amazing. So we already described Landis's segment and 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 how we got there, but like I can't stress enough how badly Landis wanted to just go way overboard. Have you guys seen Blues Brothers? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So you know how like there's all those like car crashes and shit, like especially like with like the cop cars and everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that movie went over budget by like a lot because john landis is just addicted to like realistic special effects so they just kept crashing cars just kept on crashing car and just destroying property left and right i believe blues brothers cost 30 million dollars to make in like 1979 or 80 at the time so it was the most expensive movie of his genre to ever be created so for his what like 25 minute segment of this movie he and the set designer went out to this place called indian dunes in valencia out in california and they found this perfect spot where it kind of can be desert and jungle as they need it and the set designer's like i could absolutely build an entire vietnamese village right here and john landis i mean there's no verification that he said this but he was like I can't wait to blow that the fuck up. <laughs> he was totally, they did. And they built like a realistic, like Vietnamese village. And you saw those explosions. They were fucking nuts. So my source for this is Richard Sawyer. He was the set designer. 
there's this episode on Shudder of this show called Cursed Films. And it's all about like movie accidents like this or anything. It's like 26 minutes long. It's super short, but it, it really covers this guy in particular. So Richard Sawyer sits with John Landis and they plan and map everything out and he gets it built. And they're testing this all the time just to like make sure it works. Well, this is when shit starts to get a little fucky from Richard Sawyer's perspective because the special effects team is just unhinged. They turns out planted explosives like they moved a hut and put it over planted explosives and told fucking nobody including him who's in charge of the set design so they just had what could just be a a, a bomb of bamboo and and fucking fake hay and shit just sitting there in plain view for everybody to get shrapnel blasted with i feel like that would probably be common in the special effects explosion guys like i don't think that's a rarity especially in the 80s i feel like these guys were loose cannons yeah i mean that makes sense like they definitely like blowing shit up but the whole point is you're supposed to have somebody in charge of that and like communicating that and i guess like when richard sawyer brought it up with john landis he was like oh yeah yeah yeah, we'll get it taken care of and then he never talked to the special effects team so when he went back and talked to them they were like oh it's not a big deal don't worry about it john didn't say anything do you think the special effects guys from this movie were like when they saw what's his nuts get in trouble for rust like alex baldwin they're like i killed someone i killed like four people on this yeah. twilight zone movie <laughs> this guy's going to jail that guy's a murderer come on yeah. <laughs> baldwin ain't shit they definitely should have told the helicopter pilot yeah so when they initially tested the explosions with the helicopter flyover at the same time apparently the pilot said on the radio hey this is getting pretty shaky, just a heads up. And John Landis is like, man, if you thought that was big, you haven't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Verbatim, <Yeah>. it's quote. <laughs> Wait till you got to wipe uh, fucking brains off your windshield, buddy. <laughs> not- so what was yep. Landis charged with? Was it like criminal negligence or? we can Yeah, we can flash forward just a second there. Ultimately, it's manslaughter that pops up. That makes sense. But there's, and there's lots of reasons for that. Richard Sawyer's experience wasn't the only one. There's other people who were like, hmm, something's amiss here. (laughs) For instance, the scene was shot at 2.30 a.m. And that is super illegal in California for child labor laws. And it's only because the kids, it's not because the explosions and the helicopters and the fucking. Oh, so right. That's the other thing. (laughs) There was sound ordinances. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't want to get ahead of myself here and get and get confused. But basically, uh, not supposed to fucking hire kids, have them work then. And you're also, yeah, not supposed to have them around giant ass explosions like that. Ever or just between certain hours? Apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Noon and one is fine. Yeah. I'll have, have to double check Pennsylvania's laws. That's, that's, that's the, uh, the child explosion grace period hour. We're allowed to burn things on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I'm not quite sure what the explosion times are, though. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the position of the sun would have had a minimal effect on how that scene ended up. <laughs> I mean, we probably would have been able to see it better in that video. So. Yeah. <laughs> Makes for a way better video, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, you can apparently get a special waiver to have kids work in that environment or around any other restrictions that you might have. 
John Landis is quoted as saying, there's no way they're going to allow it. We'll find them ourselves off the street. So they hired the kid actors under the table. They weren't even legally employed. Now, I want to break down the actual crash itself before we get too far ahead over there to all like the legalese stuff. The pilot, his name is hilarious. It's Dorsey Wingo. It sounds like um, it sounds like you're like you fights in a tie fighter beside you to get kill the empire. It's what I thought the pilot's <laughs> name was in fucking Ducktales. I didn't like. I I just want to call him Launchpad McQuack from now on, just because <laughs> it's such a dumb name. But he's a Vietnam War vet, so he had like actually been involved in, <laughs> in what he was doing. He literally he's, could say, "I've done this before." He's like, "What's your call sign?" It's Wingo. We got to pick something else. It's Wingo. Shut up. You just Wingo. Yeah. I like Wingo. Pilot McFly guy. <laughs> yeah, so he was a Vietnam War vet, and this was like his way of like cutting his teeth into Hollywood stunt work. So, you know, not his first time flying a helicopter, probably not his first time at least pretending to bomb children. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> And I'm assuming they hired Vietnamese children, so it's a Vietnamese child he killed yep. before too. Uh, so. Yes, uh, Michael Lee and Renee Chen. They were they were Vietnamese kids. He couldn't help himself. Yeah, <laughs> it's just nothing to do with the explosions. He's just like, did he know? Did he know? He just flies yeah. into them. <laughs> he just had a flashback. Yeah. Oh fuck! Well. It was him and five crew members from the film set in the helicopter itself. And the idea was he was supposed to to come in and then turn so that he'd be chasing them. And Richard Sawyer had built the village so that they could do the whole shot where the camera would be stationary, one perspective, and Vic and the kids would be running towards the camera and the helicopter would be coming in over them. That was the idea. Well... Apparently, as it flew through those explosives, that a mortar cap of some sort flew up and busted the tail rotor. And then that brought it down close enough where the heat from the explosion delaminated the fucking blades on the main rotor and the thing just dropped like we saw. Hmm. All six of the crew members were injured, but they did survive. The people on the helicopters, I should say. Everybody There's... on the helicopter survived. I wouldn't want to. You just like watch yeah. someone's head get chopped off. Just kill me too. I like I'm gonna have to deal with that. I mean, if I, I wasn't the guy flying it, like I'm just the guy in the back seat, I'd just be like, ooh, yeah, that sucks for all of you guys. Cause like you're gonna yeah. get it. I'm fine. I just I'm just a witness, right? Like, you, you know when you're in the back seat of that helicopter, it's not in 480p anymore. You know that, right? Like it's actually <laughs> yeah. like in your face. Yeah, but that guy had to like really you know turn his head if he would that's that's a quick action like you got to be like that's true i guess you're not watching the entire thing happen like of, you'd be all like ooh, you'd be watching you would have saw that first thing you would have saw no that guy that guy stepped out of the helicopter and was like it's up it's it's, <laughs> it's what i am yeah oh you guys are fucked <laughs> straight up union guy like that didn't yeah. happen straight up usually when it's a lethal helicopter crash i feel like it's the people inside of it that die. Yeah, that's well, that was right. a water that's landing. Also, he aimed for well, the water. It was a it was a water landing, and then it's something else landing too. It wasn't just water they landed on. No, did a 
gray matter. Been a child. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Where do you think the parents were in all this? Doing a blow in the back of the producer. No in the helicopter. Standing outside and watching. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so they were standing there and they watched the whole fucking thing play out. And apparently it was just stunned silence until one of the kids mothers screamed and then john landis goes that's a wrap oh god <laughs> this guy's got terrible timing he just doesn't well no he has perfect timing well, he was just too ahead of his time comedic timing great but in today's day and age where we're off the fucking rails yeah. this man would be an absolute yeah. legend this man would own twitter i mean i'm just saying read that's where room. we're at read the room that's a wrap. Yep. Oh, that's God. a wrap. Walk uh, it off. Wait, both kids died? <laughs> both kids died. Yep. Both kids died, and they were the kids of both parents. Of yep. the same, like it was the there one was parents, all four all four parents were on scene. Did yep. they have a brother? Oh, I don't know if they had any relatives or not. Like, or excuse me, any siblings. That's a good question. Why is it a good question? Why are you asking? Well, just to see how devastating i got you like you did you just watch the entire bloodline get cut (laughs) wait are we assuming that because they're all vietnamese that they're all related well i'll i was gonna save this one (laughs) i thought they were a family (laughs) there's two two families two families two different kids okay that's why there's four parents (laughs) i was gonna save this one for later but i'd be based on our conversation uh, it fits here micah the seven-year-old boy who this feels cruel to say, but I fucked up earlier and I did not correctly say who was de- decapitated and who was crushed. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> Let's hear so it. It was, it was Mike who he and Vic Morrow were both cut by the rotors and Renee was crushed by the skid. Daniel Lee is, was Micah's father. Basically, the way that these kids even got involved here is that their, their uncle, My, Micah's uncle, knew the production secretary and found out because it was all hush hush that they were looking for kids off the street and he recommended them because he was friends with the other parents so they got these two kids and just kind of like snuck them in here well daniel micah's father was actually an immigrant straight off the boat from vietnam and survived the vietnam war meaning that he climbed his way all the way to the land of wealth and excess and got his family all this safety and security only to watch a play pretend (laughs) version of what he lived through murder his son isn't that the most fucked up crazy thing it's the worst irony yeah i mean honestly you gotta fucking hand it to landis he really killed the realism yeah, if that feels like it should be an Alanis Morissette song, but just two words. Your kids decapitated in a helicopter reenactment. Isn't that ironic? Oh fuck! Oh my god, that is uh, oh. and like, how much do you know how much they got paid? Like the kids, like under the table, like what's their payment for dying like that? Like, what do you risk your life for? It wasn't under so, the table; it was under the water. Well, yeah, well. <laughs> We'll touch on that. I'm going I'm to okay, back okay. up a little bit. Right. So, no, oh, you're good. In the aftermath of it, John Landis went to all three of the funerals. 
And it's imagine just, you just didn't go to one of them. He's just like that. Fuck that other seven year old kid. Fuck that kid. Yeah. Well, it's it's also very well, scheduling important. conflict. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very important to know that he was explicitly not invited to any of them. <laughs> <laughs> no According to Vic Morrow's close friend and like his actor buddy from the show he did it. The show was called combat years ago. This guy's name is Dick Peabody. He wrote that he has this big long write up. It's very interesting. He said that Landis showed up unannounced, walked up to the podium uninvited and gave a rambling eulogy, unplanned, unrequested, unwanted, and shocking to Vic's family and friends. His mere presence at the funeral was offensive to them. He did this presumably on the advice of his attorney. <laughs> he just finishes up this big long eulogy. They close the casket, throw the little bit of dirt on the fucking grave, and he just goes, That's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> oh no. Oh god. <laughs> the through line of his big speech, and there's video of this. You can at least I saw it in the documentary thing I watched. He says, Tragedy strikes in an instant, but film is immortal. Oh, God. He's not wrong. We're watching this 50 years later. I'm just saying. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still, he said that at the funeral of a man he killed <laughs> while filming him. And two children. <laughs> yep. Could you imagine, though? Because back then, it kind of would have been hard to set up. But nowadays, I could kind of just pull up an iPad and click play. And we could watch the video like back through as I gave that delivery. That's all I'm imagining him doing. It <laughs> was a big like screen behind him. Being yeah. like, see and at it this clicks point. play. But film is forever. And it, <laughs> you just see the Jesus just taking Christ. him down. And then it's just like the end. And then oh, immediately well, no. Bright starts playing. He like, yeah. <laughs> he like pauses it right before the helicopter hits him. And he's like, see, it's not happening. <laughs> oh, God. It's like they're um, still here. So. It gets a little sticky when we try to figure out, you know, because like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I maybe I'm giving you guys just a, a very selective amount of information, but we feel like John Landis may be the asshole here. Or we feel like there might uh, be some more. See, yes, but that doesn't exclude other people for being assholes. Like the explosive guys are definitely assholes. The parents are assholes for letting you go around like explosions. Maybe not the one that's just straight up a fucking immigrant. Maybe they needed the money like badly, but to still pip off your kid for round explosions, still pretty. There's assholes sure. all around is what I'm saying. There's more than one. Okay. All I right. feel like he's a real, like a Michael Scott type character. Like he is an <laughs> asshole, but he's just oblivious, right? <laughs> that is probably the kindest perspective I've heard. And I like that. Like I, a murderous I asshole, yeah. but like somehow... <laughs> He, he went to the funeral. Yeah. He went to the funeral. He was right? he brought flowers, I'm sure. Like, you know how Michael Scott speaks at Phyllis's wedding and he just makes an ass of himself. And right, 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 right. Similar kind of vibe there, just tragic and real. Oh, so that is a good take. Was that scene later reshot with different actors and then used in the movie? If you're asking if they just kept killing kids till they got it right, <laughs> yes, it was bad. And if you would get the bloopers version of the movie, <laughs> yeah, you get like all the those slide extras whistles. Or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, was that included in the director's cut? 
just it was not it. it was it was stripped from the movie entirely and they had to redo it so that it ended differently and they'd had enough footage they basically just ended it as it started where he keeps slipping through time until he ends up back in 1945 Germany and they throw him on a train car again it's really dumb funny enough this was a time where there was like novelizations for movies were still really big things so somebody was writing the book to it and as soon as this happened he had six weeks to write this book and at the last second they made him change the ending because of what happened so that it matched the ending of the movie oh so fucking crazy well it took a while for whatever reason high profile cases like this do but john landis the director the pilot dorsey wingo the explosive specialist paul stewart Associate producer George Folsey Jr. and production manager Dan Allingham were all charged with manslaughter in 1986. So nearly four years after it happened. Just those five? That's it? Like the explosion guy I get. The pilot, I don't know. He's doing his job. I don't know what to say about that. Maybe he shouldn't have been. I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of code ethics for the pilots. If you're around explosions and children, maybe you shouldn't fly your helicopter. And it's like part of the handbook. But I mean, what did he do? He didn't do anything. Producers, I get that. Like, they're the ones in charge of everything. So maybe the pilot's the only one I don't get. Yeah, the pilot one's interesting. I feel like, I don't know, like, for me, and this is just because an angry and and jaded little shit, probably, but as soon as it's people with money, I'm like, you know what I mean? Of course it takes them that long. But, like, Wingo is just some fucking guy. Like, he didn't have any of that high-level, dark-moneyed, pedophilia Hollywood shit going on. So, yeah. Right, he was trying to get it. That's the thing. <laughs> That's why he's he like, there. if I fly at these children, they'll fuck me. Oh shit, I killed them. <laughs> he was pulling in a reverse Alec Baldwin. He was starting his career yeah, by yeah. killing people on set. Yeah, go big or go home, baby. <laughs> Want to show these Hollywood folks how much I care about kids? <laughs> Interesting. During Wingo's cross examination at the trial, he said that he was. Regretful that Vic Morrow didn't look up as he was instructed to. <laughs> I just uh, that is that is victim blaming right there. <laughs> yep. No, that is a strong and early defense. I like it. I would have been like, why? Like, what do you mean? And then the next question would be like, because he could have moved? No, he couldn't have. It's a fucking yeah. helicopter, dude. Yeah, he right. could have dropped the... the kids, run. If he was booking it that quickly with kids in arms, imagine how quickly that man could run if he just that's true. You drop one kid, use the other kid. It's like a human shield. Chuck it at it. It's like it. when the oxygen masks drop in the plane. You save yourself first. When the plane's coming down on you, you just get out of there. You can't worry about other people. So, actually, sadly enough, he did drop Renee and, like, had to kind of, like, go and, like, get her again and then keep going. And then that's when it gets him. So, so he just kind of left. wasn't supposed to crash. No, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, no, the helicopter is, <laughs> no. yeah, definitely supposed to keep flying. <laughs> I'm just going to say this mid midway through the episode real quick that Max, I don't think it's looking good for your dad, buddy. I don't know if we can get him out of here for this one. We, we may be able to pull a Hail Mary for good old Jay Landy. Is this a good time to cut in for one of our sponsors? Sponsor for today is Ripcord Randy. Randy's? Yeah, yeah, no, you got it. Rip, Ripcord Randy, it's a... Uh popular uh, chainsaw handle manufacturer ripcord randies nobody makes handles like me i love my little handies 
How's your saw handle holding up? Lost a limb cause you lost control? Got a slippy grippy that just won't sticky? Need something sturdier? Firmer? Gotta try Randy's Handies. Ripcord Randy's. Low on cash? Ain't nobody can beat me. I'm practically giving out handies for free. Ripcord Randy's. Located Rip on... Ripcord Randy's. Located... Ripcord Randy's. Located on I-90 behind a huge-ass pile of wood. You gotta saw your way through the pile. Then it's just a 16-mile walk to... Ripcord Randy's Chainsaw Handies. So, Wingo says it's Vic's fault. <laughs> and the prosecution has a field day with that. They say that, oh, they've been blaming everybody, and now they're going to blame a dead man, this and that. So bad look for him, 100%. But also, think of the range of motion that Vic's head probably had after he got hit, at least. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if so did they get too, it? a little too late, but he definitely could have looked all the way behind him. <laughs> Yeah, did they get him right on the neck? Was it on the head or on the neck? Because, like, you know, when they I'm not say, sure. I haven't been able off. to find to, and I'm not proud to admit that I've, you know, I've tried to find out, but yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't, maybe I didn't my get... point is, if you got it through the neck, you might have actually been able to see for that, like, last couple seconds before he actually lights out, you know? <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> just say? Like a, yeah. Oh. <laughs> just, I should have moved. Yeah. I mean, you, we, we realize it's like you said, there's no fucking way he was moving out of the way. It was, they were full of but, shit. But you did say that he did drop the girl and went back to get her. But maybe if he just would have let that little girl die, he could have saved the boy and himself because he would have just mm-hmm. kept going. I don't know, man. I like, <laughs> I think that helicopter just... didn't skid, dude. Honestly, it just kind of flopped, right? Right. So... And I think it just would have changed which part of him, like, did he get crushed or decapitated? Because those were the two options. One of the kids got crushed, the other got decapitated. I think it was either or, not, I don't okay. think there was a third option. Fair enough. So the, the defendants, the, you know, director, all the production people, their defense claimed that explosions were detonated at the wrong time. But oh, a cameraman. I got a quick question. Did they all do yeah. get, go to court at the same time or was it like five separate it, trials? No, no, it was all the same trial. They were all okay. on. Yeah. Yep. So I don't think anyone was rolling anybody under the bus. I think they were just trying to roll underlings under the bus because there was nobody they specific they could point to, you know, they're just trying to take the heat off themselves. Yeah, that's why I was wondering if they're just trying to blame the explosive guy. And then when the explosive guy's trial, he blames the producer. And then the producer blames John Landis. No, and they yeah, all just blame all, each other until no one goes to jail. It was all one trial. So they said that the explosives were detonated at the wrong time. But a cameraman on the helicopter named Randall Robinson testified that Dan Allingham, who was one of the defendants, told Wingo, that's too much. Let's get out of here. <laughs> So they knew immediately that the explosions were going to be a problem while Landis is shouting on the radio, get lower, lower, get over lower. Yeah. Instructing them the whole time. Yeah. Do you, I have people work for me. Sometimes you got to motivate, you know, sometimes you got to like push them past their limits. They got to get some work done. Got to get it done. You could do this. You know, I know you can, I have faith in you go lower. Sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. work out. That's all. Mm-hmm. Robinson also said that Wingo tried to leave, but too little too late, waited too long. And that was when they felt everything lose control. And then it came back. But then something just, he says, let go. 
and then they were spinning in circles and then they hit the ground. Steven Lidecker was another guy, another cameraman on the helicopter. And he testified that prior to this, Landis was warned about these explosions. And he said, well, we may lose the helicopter. Mm, I can really? see that though. Yeah, literally like shrugged it off is the is what the words he is. He goes, we may lose the helicopter. Did, did you know how many like, fucking police cars I destroyed in a Dan Aykroyd Jim Belushi movie? <laughs> do you? But did he have like Final Cut or something? Do you think he could just do whatever he wants? Did he have that much money? He was money? producer. He was. He and Steven Spielberg were co-producers on it, so he wasn't just the director. He was producing the whole movie. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, he was top dog, and because of his stature, here's the thing. Now we have a common theme where every single one of these guys is saying, "Oh, well, this was a problem." But when we brought it up with Landis, he said no. And they were all in reverence of him. Here's this like hotshot director who's kind of making everything happen for them on this set. I mean, that's maybe I mean, that's you know, maybe that's part of the systemic issue with Hollywood or whatever, but it seems like everybody was willing to go along with this guy because they were looking to him to figure out how to get this movie made. That's not to like help yeah, John Landis. No. That's to like further yourself. I'm gonna be in the fucking That's, remake of Twilight Zone. Uh, it's that fucking showbiz bullshit. You know what I yeah. mean? The pieces of shit whose asses I kissed at the Funny Bone when I was hosting for them, just trying to be like all the way there. Oh, can I do anything? What are your credits? And meanwhile, they get up and it's shitty comedy. It's you know they're mean to the staff. They're mean to you. But you try to do everything you can to please these people because it's like, oh, there's my access to mm-hmm. that may- maybe that next step. Yeah, but you always so. forget that they're going to like the shitty $60 hotel room and eating a peanut butter sandwich for like the next six months. They're not that actually that good. You know well, what I mean? Like- fuck, fuck that shit. No, they they stayed at a very nice embassy suites. Okay. I still listen. I, I, I I hosted for Burt Kreischer. And, Different uh, Burt, but yeah, sure. He, That's not everybody. Like, there's Burt Kreischer, no, sure, but no. like the, all I, the touring I comics that shitty lives. It's not a great life. I don't think. I don't <laughs> think Burt. And I'm not going to say that. So, for instance, like, oh, Burt Kreischer is an asshole because of this. I'm just saying it was a bad experience because he was in a rotten, terrible mood and wasn't very pleasant. But then also, like, hey, RJ, know, hold my shirt. Aware, yes. Is aware, dude. He, he fucking. This is. <laughs> uh, he made me sit through the machine bit while I sucked his dick. Yeah, was... he's heard this so many times before. <laughs> it's, that's the same thing that's true for like lots of. It's not everybody. It's just like you know what I mean. Like, but you debase yourself like that because it's like, what are you gonna do? Not you know what I mean. Yeah, I know it's part of the game. It sucks. That's the shit. Yeah, part. like when you're, I mean, like maybe like, yeah, like once you're, you know, featuring or once you're also headlining and stuff, it's different. But I don't know. This sounds like just, some real Harvey Weinstein staff kind of yeah justification, though, right? It's like, yeah, <laughs> kids on set explosions in a helicopter, but you know, we all knew it was a bad idea. We just went through. <laughs> yeah, really. It's that fucked up power dynamic. At least that's what it seems like to me. So this guy, this this cameraman, Randall Robinson, that was on the helicopter, same thing with Stephen Lidecker. That's when they, they start to say, because they get called in. They're not even defendants, but the, here they are testifying all this stuff. Well, then they get Micah's father 
to testify. And of course, you know, he gives his whole spiel about being an immigrant and everything that we talked about earlier, which is, you know, got to fuck with everyone's head. But he also says that he was there and he could hear Landis saying lower, lower, lower while they're seeing these explosions play out and how low the helicopter already was. I mean, it was at, it was supposed to start at 25 feet. How much fucking lower are you supposed to get? I mean, it didn't look like it plummeted for 10 seconds out of the sky on top of them. No, it looks like it's pretty close to the ground, which that guy, okay. Now I'm less, now that you're saying that I'm thinking about the pilot, like, yeah, he probably should have known not to go down so far, so low. He should probably should have known that. We're not, we're not on team Wingo. I'm still kind of on team Wingo, but he also does have like, he's a pilot first, then like SFX guy. Like you should probably know not to fly or even without explosions. He should probably know better in certain ways. Mm. But at the same time, I get the pressure coming from your boss. This is his first job in Hollywood, so I'm still on the side. Yeah. He wants to get in. The director goes and puts a note, doesn't handle direction well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then it's done for him forever. Yeah. Well, I'm, I believe it was anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he needed a negative comment card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he punched that ticket himself. Daniel, he testified to that. He heard John Landis instruct the helicopter to fly lower. And then all four of the parents testified saying no one told them anything about any explosions. All they were told is that it's going to be, oh, totally safe. It's just going to be loud. You remember when you escaped Vietnam? It's going to be kind of like that. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> You're here. They'll be fine. Man. That's, that's rough. <laughs> yep. So the the links they went through just to get, like, why why did, this is the question I have. Why did Landis need children so badly? <laughs> he, he knew Cause he, that was he, they weren't racist you see he wasn't racist <laughs> but why didn't they just use like why didn't he just carry like dolls or like for something sure. fake like that that scene you cannot see if that's kids or dolls that could have been no dolls. no totally agree we could have just had vic morrow gone who nobody knew who he was so or they could have got here's... like mickey rooney's son <laughs> <laughs> You thought Mickey Rooney was good. You got to see the racist Asian impression his kid does. It's the freshest shit out there today, pal. Very, very, very against the law, what they were doing. And he went so far out of his way to do it and then to maintain it. The parents were told, do not tell any of the firefighters on set that your kids are here. You cannot tell them at all. And George Folsey, one of the defendants, one of the producers, actively hid the kids from a specific fire safety officer who they knew also worked as a social worker and they worked around yes yeah so they concealed them from a fucking social worker (laughs) wow successfully though good job guys yeah (laughs) it's gonna be safe just don't tell the firefighters (laughs) that your kids are here and keep yeah. them under this blanket. That's what I'm saying with the parents. Like, there's a lot of red flags going on here, but like, how desperate are you? That's why I want to know how much money. Like, how much money I, are you getting? Agreed. But, but imagine, imagine what that was like. I, I, I agree with you. And I mean, I don't even have kids, but I know straight up, not gonna do that under any circumstances. Yeah. But 
you know, I mean, like, at least one of them's verified as being an immigrant straight from Vietnam. And you know what I mean? So like, I just feel like once you get there and you probably get caught up in all the, the shit of it, you, you just automatically incorrectly place your trust in people who you think know what they're doing. I would have gotten out of here, but I saw that craft services table and goddamn, this is a legit <laughs> operation. Like, yeah. what, like I don't get the thing that's going to keep you there. Like, I guess the glitz and the glory of being it's, a Hollywood you're, movie. You're, you're going to be a star. So yeah. yeah, it makes the casting couch seem less, uh, less <laughs> horrific. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everybody wasn't so bad. He wasn't murdering children. They're making the second Indiana Jones movie and I need a little Asian kid. So if you guys are really good, <laughs> yeah. you could be short rounds. <laughs> That's right. And we'll only ignore you for two decades and maybe we'll give you an Oscar. <laughs> so yeah, they, they went farther. And, and my, my kind of question is like, if John Landis knew that none of this was going to be okay with anybody in any official capacity, don't aren't you kind of admitting to yourself that maybe it's a little unsafe like nah produce you're you're the director you're the producer you're god you just think everything red else tape. everything else is just a bill you know what i mean like pass me the bill send me the bill well happy ending everybody in 1987 only nine months later all of the defendants were acquitted on all of the criminal charges oh thank god hmm. <laughs> what's his nuts he's a lawyer yeah, the apparently the jury felt that the prosecution didn't give a compelling enough argument to warrant a conviction of manslaughter. I mean, I heard the jury forewoman say basically that, and it just, I, I don't understand how. I mean, it, it seems like to me it was negligent, but it's Hollywood, baby. Hey, I'm the, I'm the, I was a juror in your trial, Mr. Landis. Here's my car, call my agent. And maybe we could set something up. I think, I don't know, like, I mean, tell, tell me if this is crazy, but like, maybe it was just like one of those things where like, they like, I don't think you can overcharge like manslaughter is like what, like diet murder. Right. You know what I mean? The accident. Like, it's not, Oopsie daisy. It's yeah. an oopsie doozy. Didn't mean to. You did it though. Right. So I don't know if you could like overcharge, but like, I don't know if it was just, they, maybe they did that. Cause you know, that happens sometimes they like, go a little too hard and then they can't get them on that. Well, like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just looking up the difference. They definitely should have went for, I don't know if this is the same, this is a U.S. site, but involuntary manslaughter yeah, is, is the <laughs> unintentional killing of someone due to negligence or recklessness. Voluntary manslaughter is the intentional killing of a person due to a provocation or heat in the moment. So by going with the manslaughter and not involuntary mm. manslaughter, what they're implying is that they were trying to kill these children. Maybe that's the... And it All could right. be argued that he was making this whole movie about how, oh, racism's bad, just so he could try to kill some Vietnamese children like, <laughs> and get away with it, right? He's like, well, I was doing a movie about how racism's bad. How could I have meant to do that? Like it, it may have been the perfect crime. Now find me some kids underground somewhere. Find me some kids with not too many ties to anybody, okay? Immigrant yeah. kid, perfect. Like this, yeah. you might be right. He might be a bigger monster than we ever even thought <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. So post-trial, there's civ obviously civil action. 
the children's families settled their lawsuits for roughly $2 million each. And all it cost them was an arm and a leg and a, <laughs> another arm and another leg. <laughs> and half a torso. <laughs> So they, they got $2 million each family or just like in total? $2 million each family, yes. And then interesting thing. I don't for Jason Lee. Do you guys know who she is? Actress. Love her. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The Hitcher. She was recently in Possessor, which I loved. That's Vic Morrow's daughter. Really? Yeah. So they were estranged at the time, though. I don't think Vic Morrow was a very good person. <laughs> my my dad never carried me through the jungles of vietnam well that saved your life jennifer <laughs> yeah she kind of headed the wrongful do- death lawsuit on his behalf and and they settled out of court and there was a, a gag order on it so i don't know how much that was for after those were settled kind of this is even before the trial but just more aftermath of of this accident In 1984, the National Transportation Safety Board issued a report, and it's just pretty much what everyone kind of thought it was. It was just the proximity of the helicopter to those explosions is for sure what made the helicopter fail. It it delaminated the blades. One of the explosions, mortar caps, blew off that tail rotor, which none of that could have happened if it wasn't too close. And that it was more than likely something like that would happen due to a failure of communication and coordination between the pilot and the film director. That's, you know, an official report on it that happened before the trial, but still really had no bearing. The FAA had at the time recently instituted regulations for how aircraft were to be regulated during film and television. However, they only covered fixed wing aircraft. So it seems like a pretty big loophole for the FAA to fuck up. They just yeah, forgot about say, helicopters. Like, every every action movie has helicopters. There's never like a fucking fixed, like, you know, sometimes I guess, but like helicopters are more of a mainstay in action movies and shit. You see them more in film, I find, right? Oh, right yeah, on. for sure. Yeah. So you figure that'd be the first thing you'd cover. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty big fucking oversight on literally America's airline office. So they, they did amend it, and the language went in there pretty ASAP, basically just including helicopters. Screen Actors Guild and the Directors Guild of America and Warner Brothers all kind of instantly enacted safety practices like, you know, that... May have seemed overboard to the likes of John Landis, but we're talking, you know, sending out notices, trying to create like these kind of like pseudo whistleblower lines so that there was accountability for anybody who was doing something that was was seemingly unsafe. You know, they would have given people underneath Landis maybe an avenue to kind of tattle on him for things that they had seen. And between 1982 and 1986, when they enacted all of these policies, film set accidents fell by nearly 70%. Shocker. So, yeah. Well, wow, you uh, put although, safety measures in and they work, huh? Shocker. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it just made sense. But it just goes to show you like how loose and free everything kind of was, even up into the 80s with, with all that shit. 
However, between 1982 and 1986, there were still six deaths on set in that time frame across four years. I, I on unethical, we did an episode about Ron Jeremy, and like the late 70s, early 80s, he was getting arrested like monthly for fucking on camera. But then they can give John Landis a helicopter, just do whatever the fuck you want, like no yeah. big deal. But Ron Jeremy's <clears throat> pulling out his hog, and they're like, get in jail, pal. I love America. Yeah, well, I mean, that werewolf movie was fucking dope, dude. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> like, what the fuck did Ron Jeremy do? Nothing that cool. Uh, I don't know. And uh, nothing like fucking chicks. A lot of them. Being able to come on Countdown. What are you, 14? <laughs> I don't know why people keep... That's the F- second fucking time. Fucking chicks is way cooler, bro. <laughs> way cooler than, than... Murdering Vietnamese children. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go to are you saying you don't support the Vietnam War? Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. 1987, the Motion Picture and Entertainment Safety Program was started by the Office of the State Fire Marshal to oversee all use of pyrotechnic effects in the state of California. So now they just have, like, a dedicated... Which, like, they already had firefighters there. I don't know what the fuck else they had to do. But... That was kind only, of the last they're thing. They're only the... firefighters this time. They're not social workers, too. So they're paying attention to the firefighting. <laughs> Nobody has to get scared. Yeah. So George Miller was so disgusted by this whole scenario that he bailed on the movie before he did any post-production on his segment. He was like, I, no, I don't want any part of this. So, <laughs> so Joe Dante stepped in and just did all of it for him, <laughs> which, like... Maybe I'm the only one who finds this funny, but Joe Dante does not have a stellar filmography. He's got Gremlins and then Gremlins (laughs) 2. So it would be just like fucking bootlicker Joe Dante to be like, oh, I'll I'll take care of it, anything. You're going to pay me for George's part, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, did a good job. Like I said, George Miller is is, is the best. So speaking of disgusted directors, Steven Spielberg just immediately stabbed John Landis in the back. He went out and publicly broke up, like stopped being friends with him. <laughs> like not, not just was like, I'll, I'll never work with him again. He was like, we're not, we're not even close anymore. <laughs> he publicly had to say that the crash made it, made me grow a little, which I thought was a very weird thing to say. Did you get hard, Spielberg? <laughs> yeah. Did you like? Did Landis do this for you? Yeah. He's like, he's like, it made me grow a little. I have one of the kids' arms <laughs> in my pants. Yeah. Well, and then he goes on to say, it made everyone involved sick to the center of our souls. No movie is worth dying for. I think people are standing up much more now than ever before to producers and directors who ask too much. If something isn't safe. It's the right and responsibility of every actor or crew member to yell, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) Fun twist. We all know how fucking ubiquitous Steven Spielberg is and how much, you know, money and, and, and power that man must wield in that world. There are absolutely conflicting reports as to whether or not Steven Spielberg was right there when it happened. He maintains 100%. He wasn't even there that day. People say that he was. He was there. Right? That's what I think. You're not renting a helicopter and having explosions that day on your dime and not at least watching it. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm. you're there for sure. There's no way. Where did he say he was? I don't have that info, like but that would be interesting to find alibi. out. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He was never even brought up, but he was a co-producer on the movie. But he they didn't even involve him in the trial. Like, it's <laughs> just, I mean... I don't know. I'm not saying he's culpable just because he was involved. You know, none of the other directors were, but a co-producer, I don't know. Cause they had like associate producer, George in there. I'd never fucking heard of that guy, but not co-producer Steven Spielberg. It could be like a contractual thing. Like where if he's producing, if two, if his two segment, Vietnamese children die, I don't need to show up. This It's bureaucracy. It's just, he could be like the producer of that segment. So he has nothing to do with these segments. So in his contract, it says like, I didn't even put any money. Nothing of this is my responsibility. Like could be, but that's cold Stevie. Cause that means you planned your distrust in John Landis. Like <laughs> you potentially knew he was going to fuck something up. <laughs> you had that uh, baked into your contract. Did John, sorry. I, did he do more movies after this? So he, he did, and we can talk about that since die we're hard very, very. Forever. We're which what? Which one was it? Die Hard Forever? Which or Die Harder? Which one's the one where they crash? The, the, oh, just, the any movie yeah. with helicopters <laughs> crashing? You're the expert, right, Landis? Yeah, it's me. Live, I'm here. Is that Live Free or Die Hard? Live Free or Die Hard? There you go. Who did that one? There was somebody. Who's the director? Sorry, I'm off on a tangent. Len Wiseman fuck did he do underworld movies also seems okay. kind of hypocritical spielberg saying he wasn't there that I, I wasn't there i was dragging kids on the highway filming et in a plastic <laughs> tube. did he really how much did you grow oh he did, he did i learned how to do it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i, I mean uh... to be fair though the guy who was the pilot was a pilot like a like a war vet right like this dude should be used to flying with explosions going around if i was john landis i'm thinking the same thing i'm thinking like oh this is a guy for the job but they say he was a war vet did they say he was a helicopter pilot <laughs> oh could you imagine back then just how wow. easy it was to like, be, like maybe... a war vet and they just throw you into... he's a military <laughs> bus boy and he's just like ah oh, yeah i was a nom polishing the blades not fucking flying the goddamn thing damn maybe that's maybe that's he never maybe he just didn't know how to land it <laughs> yeah <laughs> he landed the shit out of it yeah. in a 1996 interview so you know like years and years after it happened landis spoke about the accident he said there was absolutely no good aspect about this whole story the tragedy, which I think about every day, had an enormous impact on my career from which it may never possibly recover. Okay. Well, at least he's <laughs> tapping into what really matters. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> damaged career. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he thinks that was his punishment. I mean, the biggest <laughs> thing he did post, you know, Twilight Zone was coming to America. And yeah. Eddie Murphy helped him get that. And there's this long interview, you can read about it, I can send you a link, but Eddie Murphy claims he completely fucking regretted it because John Landis was nothing but a prick the entire time. <laughs> he also directed the thriller video right after. That was his next thing, yep. 
right after Twilight Zone was doing thrillers. Like, I know dead things. Let's do this. The zombie dancers. Yeah. I got I got lots of kids for you, John. We got lots of kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, no, that's interesting that, yeah, his his career took a fucking nosedive after this, though. You're right. Like, nothing. I'm looking at Blues Brothers well, yeah, 2000. I mean, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Like, oh, who cares? He's not. And he was Spielberg caliber back in that, back then. I mean, yeah. and you look at Spielberg now and you look at John Landis now and you see, you know what I mean? Like, maybe he wants to remake Trading Places because yeah. he thinks Spielberg ought to have gone down for it. But I mean, I also think Landis is verifiably a fucking cunt. There's all these reports of him just being an asshole, and it and it, it I think it bit him in the ass. Well, honestly, I think the only thing he's guilty of is trying to get a great shot. That's true. That's, that's... Get that helicopter lower. Well, and that's the crazy fucking thing. This is this is the other thing that I forgot because I, I skipped around a little bit, but. He was so hyper addicted to this, this, like he had this realism fetish that made no sense. They had a scene where Mick Morrow comes upon like this group of American soldiers and it's supposed to be like where we realize they don't see him as a white man. So they just start fucking firing on him. And he like dives out of the way like seconds, like a, like a split second before they just start spraying bullets and the vegetation and like all like, you know, the faux jungle shit in the shot just gets absolutely shredded because they used live ammo (laughs) and they actually had him there connected to a harness that they just yanked him out of the way before they just started firing on the spot where he just was. Man, I was born in the wrong fucking time. This sounds like a literal blast. Huh. You can still do it. I mean, not yeah, the killing right. kids they, part. They not still the make Vietnamese kids. You can still it. murder some. <laughs> the rest of it is just so great. Like the guy, the guy got to fly a helicopter into the ground. He probably was involved in shooting. He was just the war vet, right? Like just around there. He was probably shooting the gun. They're having a grand old time. God damn. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Tell people die for sure. So I, I want to see the rust fucking cut now. Like, uh, you think they have that on film? Probably. Pro- well, yeah, probably. 20 years from now, there'll be an episode of fucking TV Nightmares or whatever the fuck you said that show or, was called. Or, or a sad episode of Private Dicks that we're still doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy how easily you could find that on YouTube. And I bet the Alec Baldwin one, they do everything they can to keep it off. Yeah, for sure. It's just not old enough. Tragedy plus time. Yeah comedy right <laughs> that's comedy math right so yeah, this will be yeah. eventually I'm that's sure. why john lance is fucking undefeated he he was playing the long game he's like oh you know my career will never recover he knew he would come yeah, full he circle a... and the shit he said would be hilarious yeah if he's only 75 maybe he comes out and makes a parody movie of the whole thing and it just crushes crushes uh, yeah that's the title (laughs) crushed it (laughs) crushing it crushing them i know i'm obviously i'm very biased just because of how much time i spent in this so i'm i'm convinced it's john landis and pretty much exclusively his fault because he he knew what he was doing i mean like i don't think he knew he was going to murder kids but i think he didn't care i'm going with jennifer jason lee's dad he didn't look back could have just looked back would have been the end of it. Mm. She looked up. She looked back. 
Vic Morrow um, should have looked back. Also, I'm just joking, but yeah, John Landis piece of shit for sure. But I also want to make mention that Max Landis got me tooed. So I'm, I don't know oh, if we're yeah. this guy's so problems. That was, <laughs> well, that, that was my thing, actually. Even if we did turn around and just double down and prove that John Landis is a piece of shit, I was going to say that, hey, Max, we accidentally also proved that you're for sure a rapist. So maybe he'll pay us anyway. <laughs> he probably will. I mean, uh, like, look, he, if, I don't know if you know, I've seen a picture of him, but he looks like a cartoon drawing of a school shooter. Yeah, that's like how many? Okay, there's a whole show about this, like deaths on set. Like how many fucking people die on set? Oh yeah, that's it's crazy. Shot. Yes, huge ups to cursed films on Shutter. That films. that shit is awesome. The Crow one's really good too, which I knew about, but I didn't know exactly how Brandon Lee died. So, but it was like a bullet, like a fragment, right? Not actually a full bullet. They just like had a. So yeah, it got they. They put real bullets in there and well, they have like these things that are like dummies that go in like the cylinder so that you're not looking at it. It doesn't look hollow. You know what I mean? Because you can see in a revolver. So they put those in there and somehow one of those got stuck in the barrel. So then when they switched it out for blanks, they just made a bullet with the two different pieces when he fired it. So yeah. 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 And then I know there was one on the dark night. I know some fucking stuntman died on making the Dark Knight. You know when the Joker fucking posse are all running away from the cops in the car chase? There's a point when they do like a 90 degree turn and he turns, but the cameraman was out the window filming it and he fucking missed the turn. The cameraman just fucking got smoked on the side of a truck or something like that and fucking just died. Hmm. So there's one on there. I don't, you don't somebody, know about them. Somebody killed themselves from having to watch Maggie Gyllenhaal do the same take too many times. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I blame I blame Vic, but I also blame the children. Ah, okay. Well, they they died, and if they had died, then nobody would have died. So <laughs> they're somehow culpable. And scrolling through IMDb here, they don't even have a fucking profile. So they clearly weren't acting professional. But. <laughs> They never should have taken this job. Believe it or not, they they didn't even make it into their first role. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Te- technically even... not, no credits. They're not even in the credits. <laughs> oh, I, that's fuck. funny that they cut them out of the credits. They didn't get any screen time. They're not in the credits. That is fucking funny. And hopefully they, this movie isn't made for children we found underground. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> we, we haven't talked about that at all the parents i totally think the parents are culpable for this too don't put your kids in danger you pieces of shit mm-hmm. like as soon as you're at that set there must have been like a feeling something was off you know you must have been like this is bad news was that take one that he exploded so i think it was the first actual take of that scene i think they tried it out independently it was just having all of the parts together the explosions the helicopter and the actors because they'd done it where they just flew the helicopter they'd done it where they flew the helicopter the explosions they had you know the actors go across the water i think it was once it was all together it was the first time they made it like for actual for the film right okay I still don't like the parents on this. I don't like people that put their kids in crazy positions and they go, what? Like, that was you, man. You're in charge of them. You are the one who's supposed to be protecting them. Putting them in front of a camera. Like, I still want to know how much they're supposed to get paid under the table. Like, I wish I knew how much you're like, well, 
let them go. I'll take my five grand. Yeah, whatever. but they made even more money when their kids that. died, 100%. Oh, for sure. For sure. But that wasn't the plan. The plan was just to get a Well, you don't know what the plan was. The rent. They're paying the rent for a couple months. Thanks, kids. Because before Macaulay Culkin, just parents would just take all their kids' money. Macaulay Culkin changed that rule after Home Alone. His parents just robbed him. So before that, parents just took all the money, guaranteed. They just That was their, thanks for all the money. I'm out. They didn't make trust for kids. You know what I mean? But like, to their credit, they were supporting the kids in their dream. That's true. You could have been a unsupporting dad, not there. Like, I'm at work. I'd love to be on set with you today. But I had to go sell some donuts yeah. or whatever the fuck it was. So sorry. Yeah, that's true. I am personally blaming Spielberg because he got away with way too much there to not be the sole cause of it. If you look at his net worth versus John Landis, it's like four billion versus 150 million. That's a fucking cover up. They were like, protect Steven. John well, Landis is a patsy. So we're saying 110%. John Landis, John I know Landis agreed to go to prison. And when he got off, he was like, oh, fuck. And here's the thing. Rick says a lot of stupid shit. Sometimes it's about eels. Sometimes it's about <laughs> birds. I don't know why it's so frequently about animals. But he, animals. There, I feel like there's some teeth to that, too. Not, not that it was all Spielberg, but, like, I don't know. I just find it interesting that he is so linked to this whole thing and then somehow is n- not even well what's spielberg coming off of before this let's see oh my god in fucking 83 it would have been like probably indiana jones honestly is what i'm thinking but what wasn't he coming off of 82 was et indiana jones and the temple of doom was 1984 yeah so he was looking for that's why he wiped his hands that kid was going to be perfect short round you fuck Landis. Yeah, and Temple of Doom would have been the next movie he did. Yeah, he would have been big. E.T. was what he did just before that and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I'm guessing he was huge at the time. I'm just wondering how big he was at the time. But yeah, he was fucking massive. E.T. would have made him gigantic. Yeah. It took him until 1998 to do another movie with a helicopter saving Private Ryan. I think he's just so traumatized. No, tra- well, Jurassic Park probably had a... Yeah, it has mind. helicopters yeah. for sure, but not in the same. That that could have been filmed anywhere, and he was definitely not there. Life were any of the away. kids in Jurassic Park killed by a dinosaur? Because if you watch yes. that, he's not very safe with how close they are to those dinosaurs. My God, he tried with that whole T Rex scene. <laughs> Stupid Newman! If it wasn't for Newman, they would have been safe the whole time. <laughs> Another interesting perspective I heard on a a podcast much more successful than ours is would we feel differently if this was like a better movie? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, not that it's totally worth it, but if it's like, do you think he'd have, because John Landis doesn't really have people like coming out of the woodwork to defend him. You know what I mean? Because he killed two kids. Joseph Maslow, who played Tim in the film Jurassic Park, they were talking about that they weren't using actual dinosaurs. I don't think that addresses my question at all. <laughs> found out the hard way when he was injured by a dinosaur on set. <laughs> so he, there was actually a dinosaur injury. Okay. All right. All right. It took it, me a while it, to find this. No, I know. No, you were, back you were still you were still with it. You're just your due diligence. I appreciate it. If they murdered children during the making of the Dark Knight, would we have been so well? Upset? Yes, because, like, think about, I was just about to say The Dark Knight. Like, we hear about The Crow, which is, like, arguably, like, 
a good movie for its time, but like not good anymore. But we hear about that one. We hear about, I've never heard about this, but it's apparently pretty famous. I don't know. Rust thing is just because it's in her face recently. But did you even know about Dark Knight? No, I just found that out recently. Yeah. So that's a better, better. It's a Chris Nolan movie, right? Like a bigger director movie. Mm -hmm. So would we feel, I think a large number percentage of people would think differently of it. Would us specifically? Probably not. Like, I, I would still think it's a piece of shit thing to happen. No, but... I just think he might have more, uh, you know what I mean? Because it's, uh, it's not it's not a particularly well-liked movie. And what uh, if, like, again, did they play the shot that Landis was trying to get in court? And it's <laughs> like, God, composition's fucking solid. Like, I get why that would was... be... <laughs> They let him edit it and everything. <laughs> yeah. Just hear me out. <laughs> yeah, guys, just let me show you what I was going for. Well, like, yeah, I mean, along the same lines, like my, my example would be like, like, look at Shelly Duvall. Like she's, I mean, maybe it wasn't all the shining that did it, but she's a shell of a human being and, yeah. and the shining put her through the fucking ringer and it's an amazing movie. <laughs> I yeah. guess, but I mean, that's emotional damage. You can get therapy and fix it. You know, you can. Oh, you're right. There's not a lot of emotions when children <laughs> they're not die, dead, but they're not dead. She's not dead. The kids are dead. So that's yeah. a different. Like, right. If so nobody died, suffered emotionally. Got it. My, my, no, my point is if Shelly Duvall <laughs> would have died on the set of the shining because of all the ignoring they did to her and yelling at her, then we'd all be like, maybe they shouldn't have made that movie. We'd have a different opinion on it because she died. Not because she, she I don't know. I think it would like grow up Shelly Duvall. Fucking should have done things. At you, being a baby. Should've... I get it. All right. You love Shelly Duvall. I'm sure she will fuck you now. So you probably don't even have to ask. She's probably on her way. All right. Well, I guess, I guess we'll wrap then. And, and I'll, I'll give Max Landis the disappointing news. Dear Max Landis, do not email us further. We do not associate with rapers. Love. For, furthermore, don't make another fucking movie. How dare you? <laughs> I will grant you the script for Chronicle, parts of American Ultra, and nothing else. Just watch Private Dicks, and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Richard's gonna doom scroll Max Landis. Scott, I was gonna ask if you would do your plugs if you choose to. Oh, I've got a podcast that'll be releasing, I don't know exactly when, maybe next month. It's called Scott versus Sarah. I don't know how successful it will be. It's incredible. I loved it. I recommend it to everyone. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't released yet. <laughs> we record the first episode tomorrow. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Scott versus Sarah podcast, where Sarah, who is a neurotic and begrudgingly progressive female comedian basically we take different sides of certain topics and it's just debating her opinion versus my opinion and i'm always right and she's just neurotic fair enough she's not here to defend herself that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> she's, not, she's not there to defend herself on the podcast either uh i'm happy that you're getting back in the podcast saddle with Sarah versus Scott or Scott versus Sarah. I don't know whose name goes first in the fucking title. It'd be Scott and versus Sarah. Scott versus Sarah. I think we're going to go with Sarah versus Scott. And no, a man's uh, world. It's a man's world. 
And if she de- disagrees, she's just neurotic. <laughs> Gaslighting the podcast. <laughs> That's pretty much what it's going to end up Oh, well, that's, that's good. Uh, this oh, is thanks. a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. Good. We enjoyed your presence. Is Scott now fully full-time? Or are we, like, are we firing um, him after this? Or we're keeping him on. What is he going to do? Are we going to answer phones? Or he's a detective, just... dude. He's already yeah. a better detective than I you I got the glasses. That's true. Yeah, okay, well, that's all he welcome needs. to the yeah. team. I thought you had to be named Richard. That's how we hired people around here, but... Welcome yeah, to the we'll team, Scott. Him. Well, that's what we'll I was him. just realizing about halfway through the episode, but I didn't want to interrupt this. I finally understand the name, Private Dicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> RJ threw me off because I didn't know what that R. Richard Jr. Yeah, I'm the wild card. It's no, it's not Junior. I'm not it's fucking Richard, Junior. Don't, don't put that it's burden junior. on me. I'm not a Junior. Ace Junior, Richard Junior, and then Rick's mom's name is Debbie. So if you need to know any more things, those are the two things I know for sure. Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best.